0: Well it's that time of year again. The snow is falling. Ho ho ho. You can hear sleigh bells in the air, and everyone's walking around being very, very frustrated because we're all gonna spend a lot of money and bump into a lot of people in the malls and shops, and then we're gonna travel during the worst time of year, and then arrive home, see family members, have to endure some unfortunate political conversation, and then come home broke and disenchanted. That's right. It's Christmas. And to celebrate, <laughs> Death by Video has decided to do the, uh, the, the uh, Neo uh, classic Christmas film. Yes, that's right. We are talking about 2022's Christmas. Bloody Christmas. That's
1: very Neo.
0: It's Death by Video! Hey I'm Phil. Hey I'm Kit. And I'm Graham saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem. We have gathered here on this cold snowy evening in November to record an episode for Christmas because we missed one for Halloween so we want to make sure that this one gets out uh, sometime sometime before Christmas. This is also a horror movie though so it kind of kind of covers our Butt, yeah, so. it's it's a two for one.
2: You said it was neo. You could even say it's neon.
0: Oh, it's very it's a very neon movie as it well. Is a, it is a neon Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. So, Christmas Bloody Christmas uh, came out last year. It actually got released on my birthday last year, and I was stoked because I'm like, I'm going to see this in movie theaters uh, because everybody that saw the trailer said, Graham, this looks like a movie you would have made. Like, did you just change your name to Joe Bigos? Um, and then when uh, my friends John and Michelle watched it last Christmas at home. Uh, uh, John's wife turned to him and uh, Michelle turned to him and said, This movie smells like Graham. And I'm like, Yes, yes, it does. Um, especially if it was me three years ago and I still drank. It would have been like booze, horror movies, and vinyl records uh, and neon and shot on 16mm. I'm like, Yes, this movie is me.
2: If you were a Hellbilly Graham, this would be. A- yeah,
0: I can never do that. I would never, you know, don the long hair and long Rob Zombie beard and talk about eating corn nuts or something. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so this one was directed by Joe Bigos. Joe Bigos, of course, made his feature film directorial debut with uh, Almost Human, which premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in their Midnight Madness uh, section, um, which was kind of a sci-fi version of Evil Dead. Uh, And then he followed that up with the film The Mind's Eye. Uh, We should point out that both these films uh, starred um, Graham Skipper, uh, who has also starred in another Christmas horror film, um, All the Creatures Were Stirring, which was directed by Dr. Rebecca McKendry. Uh, which came out a few years ago. Dr. Rebecca? Yeah, she's a doctor. Okay. She's a PhD. Graham um, Skipper
2: sounds like an, your evil alter ego. <laughs>
0: Graham Skipper. Uh, no, he's a he's a filmmaker who uh, lives in Los Angeles and uh, does a lot of cool stuff. He directed the the film Sequence Break, which was kind of like a weird sci-fi horror film. Um, and then after uh, Almost Human, he followed up with The Mind's Eye, which is kind of a riff on Scanners, a very David Cronenbergian um attempt at a movie and then after that he took a break because he basically had done two movies where he was emulating someone else he was emulating sam raimi very much with uh, almost human and then he was emulating david Cronenberg with the mind's eye and he kind of took some time to figure out like what is my actual voice in cinema and part of that was he wanted to get back to shooting film i don't think he'd ever shot film. i think um uh, almost human was shot on the red and then he made the film bliss which i know phil you're not a fan of i'm a big fan no. of not um, seamless, but that was a very low budget shot on 16 millimeter film. That kind of proved that he could do something different and of his own taste. Then he got hired to direct the film uh, VFW, and then the success of those two films led to him getting this film, which I don't, I'm not sure it was his biggest budget, but it uh, it definitely felt like it. It was I think two million dollars, and they shot for 41 days, or approximately seven and a half weeks. Um, they shot on six, super 16 with anamorphic lenses. Which is a great thing that's happening now, because in the past, um, anamorphic lenses for 16mm had never been used. They were only used for commercials and music videos, and so now they're actually being used. Sean Baker also has a set of uh, the director of The Florida Project, and Red Rocket, and Tangerine, and uh, Starlet. Um, He has a film, or no, his last film, uh, Red Rocket, was shot on anamorphic Super 16. And I like that this is happening now because it, it doesn't look like the sixteen millimeter of old because the scanning technology has gotten so much better, but it doesn't look as clean as the thirty five millimeter and super thirty five of um of the pa- of like basically the era before digital and everything got very very slick and shiny, um and then that brings us to this film Christmas Bloody Christmas. So this film started off uh, initially Joe Bigos was pitched he was brought in to pitch on doing a remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night, a DBV classic. We, we did that on the podcast, right?
2: I'm pretty sure we did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Fisk Reaver approved. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But it was... So, Silent Night, Deadly Night, they've been trying... They, they kind of did a remake called Silent Night that wasn't quite a remake. I think they got the rights, but then didn't. And then Joe Bigos was brought in to pitch on it, and he kind of wanted to mess with the system. He's like, what if it was a killer robot Santa, and then the... The people who held the rights said, well, we don't want to stray too far from the lore of Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I'm sure the one thing we all remember about Silent Night, Deadly Night is the lore of Silent Night, Deadly the, the Night. The lore is very important. Yeah. Person has a negative association with Christmas and then goes nuts. Books have been written. Yeah. And so when he left that project or, or chose not to pitch, he realized that he had this uh, concept. And he had, he tried to take the robotic Santa out and just leave it as it was, but with the killer Santa and it didn't work. And so he decided, you know, I still own this movie. I still own this concept because it's nothing like Silent Night, Deadly Night, other than there's a Santa Claus killing people, which is in and of itself is not unique to Silent Night, Deadly Night. I mean, Christmas Evil did it before then. And then, of course, there was the Tales from the Crypt segment from the 1972 movie that that had, um, I think it was called All Through the House. It had a killer Santa Claus in it. Um, And then, of course, there's uh, the British film Don't Open Till Christmas, which had a – oh, wait. No, that was someone killing people dressed as Santa Claus. Um, so, it wasn't the first time that it had been done. It was just the first time that it kicked up a lot of ire. So, that brings us to Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, written and directed by Joe Bezos. bigos Not Bezos. Um, Bezos. God, no. Yeah, starring um, Tory Toomes. Oh, sorry. Starring Riley Dandy as Tori Um The interesting thing about Riley Dandy is that... Um, she has actually appeared in, like, Hallmark Christmas movies before this film. Wow. So, the same year that Christmas Bloody Christmas came out, she appeared in A Hollywood Christmas in uh, 2022. Actually, it actually came out after Christmas Bloody Christmas. Um, and she was also in A California Christmas in 2021. And in 2019, she was in A Kiss on Candy Cane Lane. Um and that's like the, the her Christmas.
2: So Joe Bagos is a uh, Hallmark Christmas movie enjoyer.
0: I think it was a happy accident. Okay, so it's um, not
2: stunt casting.
0: No, um, and Tori Tomb. So Tori, the character of um, Tori Tombs, uh, owns probably like my ideal shop it's a record store slash video uh store so she sells vinyl records and vhs tapes and blu-rays and all the posters are vinegar syndrome movies by the way vinegar syndrome just opened up a storefront in toronto congratulations to our friends at vinegar syndrome andrew williams and the guys um i have already spent too much money there and i will continue to do so because i have a really bad habit when it comes to movies
2: not that i've ever been there but you've been there like that store was kind of giving off like an odyssey records vibe
0: which Oh, Odyssey Records? Mm. Yeah, I could see it, but with a lot... Well, the store, yes, Odyssey Records in London, Ontario. It's got that vibe, but uh, Odyssey Records has a lot less neon.
2: Okay. Well, this, this
0: film is almost entirely lit in neon, even when it doesn't call for it, and I love that he made that choice. Um, and so she played, She has her, uh, her co-worker, basically her employee, Robbie. It's Christmas Eve. They're hanging out. Uh, she helps... Um, what's his name? The car- Oh, Jay the character of Jay, played by Jonah Ray Rodriguez in the film. By the way, Robbie is played by Sam Delek, and uh, he is a very Australian man. As well, we, not in the movie. We did not, not realize movie, no. during the movie. He has a
1: perfect, uh, like, American accent, um, but he is very Australian when you see him in the special features.
0: Yeah. He uh, is currently starring in, or he appeared in uh, the TV series The PM's Daughter, which is an Australian movie, so it's The PM's Daughter, Um Sorry about my horrible Australian accent. My brother in law is Australian and I don't do the accent around him. Um, oh, well, well, of course not. That would be. Uh, he was in an episode of Home. Very offensive. And, he was in a, an episode <laughs> of the long running Australian TV series Home and Away. I think this might be his only North American uh, production. Uh, he was in Spiderhead, which. What movie is the. Who is in that? Someone looks familiar. Starring Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. Interesting. I had not heard of this film. It came out in 20. 22 which i'm guessing why during the pandemic um but yeah this one was uh released by shutter in north america um it's also we watched the blu-ray so it looked uh better than it would be streaming um it was released in i think like 600 theaters in the united states and unfortunately no theaters in canada i could be wrong there might have been like one theater somewhere some random screening but i couldn't make it out to it it got released under this-
2: 600 theaters that's, that's quite a bit for a movie like this yeah
0: that you got to remember in the states there are four thousand screens though, still. So that's not even ten percent. Yeah, yeah. That, you know what? I don't. It's it did well. It uh, it made sure you know it, it profited. Um, so yeah. So we open up and it's Christmas Eve. People are buying their last minute gifts from from the record store. Uh, Tori is like helping Jay pick out a record for his girlfriend played by Dora Madison, who appeared in the previous films by Joe Bigos VFW and she was the star of Bliss. She played the uh, the vampire. Actress. And Dora Madison as well. I think she acted in a bunch of um, uh, Christian programming before hooking up with Joe Bigos. Um, I can't be 100% sure on that. Um, and uh, so basically the story is it's Christmas Eve and uh, also there is a robotic Santa Claus that was developed using military technology that the, million has, uh, the military has sunk over a trillion dollars into developing, uh, which was used to basically to be the Ed 209 of um, uh, robotic warfare being sent to overseas to so that American lives wouldn't be put in harm's way. And... um, um Why am I trying to... Oh, yeah. And now there is a recall on Christmas Eve. And one of these toys, or one of these Santas, are in Jay's... Uh, the toy store where he works, uh, which is called, like, J.B. Fuddruckers or something, or... Uh, I can't really recall. The... Do you guys remember the name of the... The toy store. I do not know. Okay,
2: it sounded something like that.
0: Yeah. So Tori is uh, apparently got a Tinder date on Christmas Eve with uh, someone that Robbie uh, calls um, Evan Eyeliner. Yeah, Evan Eyeliner, and uh, who he also refers to as Thirty Seconds to Mars. And yeah. uh, apparently he's also a musician, and he has like multiple kids. Like he's four kid Everett or something is what uh, Dora calls him. Um, Dora and Jay... or sorry, uh, Lana, Lana, oh Lana and Jay call him. Uh, when they go over to visit and Robbie successfully talks her out of it and it's also kind of clear right away that Robbie has feelings for Tori and she hasn't really reciprocated or is going to but hey it's Christmas and you know in the spirit of the season who knows what can happen
1: they they chatter a lot actually yeah. the the dynamic between Robbie and uh, Dana
0: did you say Lena Tori,
1: Lana? Tori. Tori. Okay, got that way wrong
3: yeah <laughs> um,
1: I knew who I knew who she was during the movie I just didn't know her name Um, But they have like almost an interminable dialogue with each other, which a real Jim and Pam from the office type of thing gets almost a little bit grating. But um, I mean, it it comes into his own. I don't know. But it's charming because
0: they talk about stuff I like, like,
1: yes, but they do not stop talking like they're they're uh, talking to each other incessantly. Um, But um, anyway, it, it does go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you do sort of feel for the characters when things hit the fan. Yes.
2: Yeah, there is underlying sexual tension throughout their whole dynamic.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, they're teasing each other about the sexual tension, but it's obviously real. Yes, really I believe uh, Robbie used this phrase, flicking your bean. Yes, there's a lot of uh, obscene fra- phrases used throughout mm-hmm. this movie. He
2: also implies his skills at lingus
1: He does, yes. And Which... Robbie, we should point out, has a the... Um, almost deadly mullet mustache combo going on. Kind of the mullet mustache, dirtbag combo. A modern mullet
0: though. Not, not yeah. the classic mullet. Like yeah, it, yeah, he yeah. has, he has shave sides that are like aggressively shave sides. It's not like he has like a, a neat and trim, you know, haircut in the front and just long hair in the back. There's, there's a business and party in the back and business and, and party in the front. In yeah. the front yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go next door to see their friends, uh, Lana and Jay wish them a Merry Christmas. And this is when we first get a look at our titular killer Santa. Um, Who is like kind of looking back and forth at them wearily and saying, ho, ho, ho. Um, So there's some banter, some alcohol is spread. And then uh, Robbie and Tori leave uh, Jay and Lana to um, to copulate to copulate yes. um, on a throne in the toy store for some reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, The uh, what's his face? He gets
1: some snow going. Yeah, Jay. Um, Jay, yeah. We do see him at the very beginning where he's he's looking for a record for uh, his girlfriend. He doesn't know what she yeah. likes. And he's like, all these bands, they all seem the same. Their logos are all the same. I don't know. And she gets him hey, a Death Cross record.
0: And he's mm-hmm. like, okay, she'll like this. Yeah. And, uh,
2: and But the logo is completely legible, unlike...
0: Unlike most death metal bands. Yes. Um, we should also point out that, that's kind of, that it, it works in the course of the story. But if you know Jonah Ray at all, like, he is a huge music guy. Uh, in fact, he has a podcast called Jonah Radio, and so him not knowing bands or logos is a little ha-ha for the insiders, but it's not like you'll only think it's interesting if you know who Jonah Ray is, because it's like clearly like, oh, this guy's dating a girl, he doesn't know her tastes as well as he would hope to, so therefore this is the record he chooses to get. Um, so after Tori and Robbie depart from uh the toy store they then go to a bar to continue drinking yeah they have a they have a fun conversation over uh like what's
1: what's their favorite uh, christmas song i think uh um Tori says number
0: two is the ramones uh, christmas yes merry christmas i don't want to fight tonight yeah which is actually as much as i love the ramones not a, not a great song i, I don't know that. that one
1: i forget what she <laughs> says as number one i can't quite remember it's a motorhead. Yeah, it's motorhead oh right right no well, it's a lemmy song which uh which um robbie counters well lemmy is motorhead no
0: no no. it's the other way around
2: yeah she, she says that lemmy's motorhead
0: oh okay yeah, never yeah, mind because yeah. it was lemmy with the foo fighters
2: yeah uh, oh
0: god yeah
2: <laughs> yeah so as for moans enjoyers uh we do not approve of uh merry christmas i don't want to fight tonight
0: yeah, it's it's I you know what I don't mind hearing it when it comes on. It's
2: fine,
1: but it's
0: but it's not peak Ramones. But
2: it's a kind of like oh, yeah, I don't like Christmas music, but I do like "Merry Christmas I Don't Want to Fight" tonight by the Ramones.
1: Mm-hmm. That's better than that damn waitress's
0: song. Yeah. Oh
2: God.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, so they go to the bar, uh, and the bartender Larry, who is played by. Josh uh, Ethier. So, a producer on the film, yeah, as, he was we, a producer. as we saw in the behind the scenes, um, he was also the editor on Bliss and the editor on The Standoff at Sparrow Creek and the editor on Gretel and Hansel and the editor on Orphan First Kill. He's got a lot of work as an editor um, and he edited Christmas Bloody Christmas as well. He also edited um, VFW. He's, he's a long term collaborator with Joe Bigos. He actually acted in Joe Bigos's first film, uh, Almost Human, and he edited it as well. Why am I not surprised? Um, well, yeah, no, he, he's he been around for a long time. He plays Larry, the bartender. Um, and this is where we're introduced to one of our other characters from the movie, In Walks, uh, Sheriff Monroe, played by Jeff Daniel Phillips. This uh, this police department has a lot of long hairs on staff. And mustaches. S- s- starting with the uh, sheriff.
2: It's a town full of metalheads. Extra mm-hmm. <laughs> metalheads.
0: So, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips, he's actually most, probably best known now for, he, um, he starred as Herman Munster in The Munsters, directed by Rob Zombie. That came out last year as well. Uh, I haven't seen that. I enjoyed it. Um, okay, he, he also I didn't played. Know you saw it. Yeah, I liked it. He also played Tenderloin in the Westworld TV series. Um oh, he did look
1: familiar. I did see the Westworld. Mm-hmm. T- I saw the like the first two or three seasons. I don't know. I fell
0: off on that show. Yeah, he was in. Apparently, there was an undercover brother two that came out in 2019. He played Hank in that. Um, God, there was an undercover brother, too. He was also in uh, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. He played Warden Virgil Harper. So, again, with the cop theme. He does look like a Rob Zombie regular. He was in a film that I like, um, actually directed by uh, Chelsea Stardust, who is a fan of the podcast. Um, Hey, hey. What's going on, Chelsea? He played uh, Steve Larson in that film. Um, But, yeah, he's been around for quite a long time. Yeah. Play, and he plays that type of character really, really well. I mean, his first role was in 1991 where he played a policeman in the film Son of Darkness, colon, To Die For 2. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> he plays a lot of guards.
1: Um, he played... Uh, He's got that authority kind yeah. of uh, look to him, I guess. Kind of long hair guy authority.
0: Yeah, he played uh, a, a guard in the movie Sneakers in 1992. Of course, the, um, the classic... Uh, in this one they introduce his character
1: as a big friggin downer he's a yeah big, he's depressed he's broken up with his wife he's just got this dog that he doesn't like mm-hmm. he's like the the dog is just a prince around my my ex but around me just won't shut up
2: yeah i forgot about sneakers the robert redford movie
0: yeah that's the one with dan, dan ackroyd yeah Ackroyd, yeah mm-hmm. river phoenix oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's right I that he was in that um but yeah so they you know they drown their sorrows and robbie doesn't like him a lot, and I don't know if if it's a feeling that's mutual. It doesn't seem to be. Because the sheriff buys them all, all their drinks for them. He's like, yeah, I'll pick up the tab for them and a little for you too, Larry. I, I got the impression that Robbie
1: was, like, related
0: to him. That's but, the
1: kind of vibe I got too, but, but I can't... they never elaborated
0: on that, so I guess not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, it, uh... So then Robbie, oh, by the way, by this point, uh, the killer Santa Claus has become activated and he has uh, grabbed a fire axe and proceeded to kill both Jay and Lana. We see see a lot of Santa bot vision, which disappointingly is not the
1: same as Terminator vision from the Terminator movies. But uh, we do see POV of him grabbing the axe and very, very, very slowly going around because um, um, the two lovers are just going at it he's eating her ass there's there's a lot of stuff going on it's a lot of
0: christmas joy being spread
1: yeah and then he uh he... is that a pun you you take it as what you want man he cleaves the man in twain with one swing of the axe
0: mm-hmm. it also yeah. looks like axe pov yeah <laughs> well the on the, the behind the scenes it was interesting how they did that because they actually had a little 16 millimeter crash cam mounted on the shoulder and actually joe bigos played yes every time it was the there santa's there, pov yeah. he was the one doing it uh Probably an homage to Dario Argento, because Dario Argento, anytime you saw, like, hands strangling someone or stabbing someone, it was Dario Argento's hands. Um, so, they have been off. So, that's the first two victims of a killer Santa. And then, as uh, Tori and Robbie are leaving the bar, and they get into Tori, or Robbie's... Well, they, they hear the screams from the toy store, and he's like, oh, he's really giving it to her. Yeah, they assume they assume it's, it's the sounds of love, not the sounds of, of <laughs> oh. woe. Yes. From there they leave the bar and head home to they decide tori has invited robbie to come and kill a bottle of whiskey with her yeah we all know what that means yeah so she's she's dancing warmed around up to it
1: yeah she's greatly warmed up to him and, well he was there from the beginning like there yeah. was a, there was always the sexual tension between the two they're co-workers mm-hmm. they got that little thing going it's like a sam and diane yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah
0: jim and pam
1: so yeah, they they go on to her house. They're both they're mm-hmm. they're drunk driving. But we which... should
0: point out that um, that they take Robbie's vehicle, which is uh, has one broken door on the passenger side and is apparently filthy on the inside. And takes a while to get started. And in yep. one great wonder, we see this whole banter between the two of them as they start the car and they drive off. And the camera just you know pans over and we see that our killer Santa has seen them. And is slowly following them. It's a great mise en scene. We should also point out that the Santa Claus like only moves at uh, he's moving kind of like slightly faster than zombie speed because he walks with purpose, but he can't run. It's robotic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we go back to Tori's place and uh, where they discuss pet cemetery 2 being better than pet cemetery 1 which well, i disagree with. Well
1: first with. she's upset about uh, there's a car park in the driveway and he's like oh, mm-hmm. it's these these uh, it's not even my downstairs neighbor's it's these drunks down the road. Yeah yeah.
0: Um and then she's like shh don't wake up my sister. My sister's here with her husband or boyfriend like Mr. Husband, Hollywood. Husband I think. I think it is husband. But. And uh we should point out that uh, her sister is played by Death by Video favorite Kansas bowling director of uh Teenage um what was it uh god not Teenage Caveman. Why am i Come on, open up the website. Teenage oh, something. Sorry, sorry. no, uh, director of B.C. Butcher. Oh, I'm not um, even close to when Teenage she was, Caveman. <laughs> which she, di- she directed when she was 17 years old, shot on 16 millimeter film. I'm she's, sure it's great. It is good. God damn it, Kit, why are you so negative? Um, she's the star of this year's uh, Murder Size. Um, she also directed the 2022 film Cuddly Toys, which is having a slow rollout across North America, which I am super stoked for. Um, she's directed a ton of music videos for different bands, all shot on film. Uh, most notably, probably the Iggy Pop uh, "Death Valley Girls" video for um, "Disaster" is what we're after. Oh, nice. She appeared as Blue in "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," one of the Manson girls. She also was recently starred in the third Saturday in October Part Five, um, which came out in 2022, and uh, and she of course starred in the DBV classic episode "Psycho Bro. Ape," where she played Nancy Banana a low point in her career let's yeah. be fair and the the person playing her husband slash i guess husband or boyfriend is graham skipper um of course a long-term collaborator with joe bigos he was also in vfw and bliss and mind's eye and he was the star of mind's eye and of almost human graham skipper is a ridiculous name to be having come on it's a great name <laughs> the first half especially is really really great um so yeah big fan big fan of that guy um, of course, director of Sequence Break. Um, so they go inside, they argue about, you know, when bands cut their hair, they get bad. They especially point out that Metallica load. Um... Well, and then. Oh, wait, that was at the bar that they talked about that. Where yeah, like... they
1: did. And they, they also talk about uh, Soundgarden got bad, and she's like, Super Unknown's terrible album. Well, itch is not. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm here to defend Super Unknown. I know it was their most commercial album, but that's just banger after banger on that album. Come on.
0: What's on that one? Black hole sun, oh,
1: black right. hole sun, spoon man. But my wave down, um, not down on the upside. But um, uh, the day I tried let to me live, mm-hmm. let me drown
0: like suicide.
1: Kickstand. I'm gonna be
0: hundred percent honest about this. I don't like Soundgarden. I think they are. Uh, they yeah, are... But you don't even like Bad Motorfinger. Like you're not like a. No, I'm not. They, I, I personally think that they were overrated, and if the grunge movement never happened, I mean, they were a metal band beforehand, and then they like they jumped on the grunge train. I think they were Johnny Conn Latelys, and I'm not a fan of them. They music. were a Seattle RIP scene, Chris though. Cornell, but they were, you know.
1: they were the Seattle scene, though. They were that that scene. Sure. I don't know. I will also say Down on the Upside is an underrated album, but I'm not. A, I'm not even a huge Soundgarden guy. I just think I mean, they're still touring I think they, today.
0: They putting. Well, are they? Chris Cornell's long yeah. dead. Without Chris Cornell. No, you're thinking of Allison Chains. I know. I think they toured. They did a tour together though, when Cornell was still alive. Soundgarden and Allison Chains together again on yeah, stage. Alison Alice Chains tour. live at the Molson Stage. That'd be a bad, bad show to go see. There's yeah. no reason to see those. those Featuring Sublime with Rome. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not in on that at all. Um, Sublime changed their name, though, right? Like, sublime with least... Rome. Oh that's god! The name because no, that's they, not even a good name. They were touring under the name Sublime, and then the family of the guy that killed or that died from a drug overdose was also like, "You can't call yourself Sublime." Well, sublime
2: was. It was like with the Doors with uh, Ian Asbury right? Like, they mm-hmm. had to change their name to like 21st century Doors. Doors something.
0: of the 21st century. Yeah. yeah. Queen with Adam, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, sublime was never good. Brian
2: May's though. Queen.
0: Hmm. Sorry, hot Sublime take there. Yeah. Oh no, they weren't. Um. <laughs> Seriously, the Spin Doctors were a better band. No, get, no, get no. That's, that's band too back That's together. too hot. That's too hot. That's too honest. Um so anyways, they're at their place and and they're now arguing over she is claiming that pet cemetery 2 is better than pet cemetery 1. Having seen both, I do prefer pet cemetery 1. But, I haven't seen number 2. But number 2 is a mean movie. If you're into mean movies, that movie is mean. Clancy Brown kills his son's dog. I mean, that could happen. Yeah, Um then they bring up the whole Book of Shadows is Blair Witch Two Book of Shadows or sorry Book of Shadows Blair Witch Two is it actually good?
1: I did like them resurrecting Book of Shadows Two. Mm-hmm. I've only seen it once, high as a kite with my uh, my fellow dorm mates, mm-hmm. and we had a good time watching it. I've never ventured to rewatch it again. It had some interesting concepts that I liked. Mm-hmm. It is probably a mess of a movie if I were to rewatch it.
0: A lot of people really liked it. It's it's kind of like come around. It's had like a second appraisal and a lot of people like it now. I haven't seen it since like. The year 2000.
2: I saw when it first came out.
1: It had a Mm -hmm. a spooky concept, and the concept I liked that has always stuck with me is that, I mean, you see the characters going about their business and interacting and doing all this stuff. Um, and then they're trying to figure out what what was happening during this time, like something weird happened. So they're like, "Well, let's check. We've got security footage. Let's check the security footage." And then they find out that they've been doing none of the stuff that they thought they've mm-hmm. been doing, and that they've actually been moving around really weirdly and doing strange stuff yeah. all along. Mm-hmm. That's a creepy concept. It's a creepy to concept.
0: Me. Moving on. Yes. Uh, so then uh they talk about music some more. They put he puts on a uh a She has a unsolved mystery uh um, unsolved mystery soundtrack on track soundtrack. six yeah. hours, something which, like that. Uh, well he says like, you know, there's only like thirty seconds of music in it, you've got like a double LP. <laughs> um
2: which does exist.
0: Yeah, I know all the records in this like Joe Bigos as well, he was a big Death Waltz Records guy. Like in his film Bliss, the main character wears a Death Waltz Records t shirt, R. I. P. Death Waltz Records, by the way. You guys were great, and then Mondo bought you, and then here we are, um, yeah. I miss Death Waltz. There's record. a
2: Three Six Mafia song that samples the Unsolved Mysteries theme.
0: That sounds good. I want to hear. Is that. it like? Uh, is it as good as It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp? Their Oscar-winning. Is their Oscar-winning
1: uh, song from Oscar winners Three Six, three six Mafia? Mafia.
0: Um, so back to this film. So um, she is. So basically, like they're they're hanging out and uh, about to make nachos, and he just splashes the the um, the the salsa on it and. Uh she says that's not how you make nachos, and then they get into some ma- some more banter, and as they're doing you do, this
1: you splash the salsa on yeah. after. You don't not not before it goes in the oven.
0: And then see so I put it on in when I when I put them in the oven. Yeah. Because then it bakes in, it's nice. Okay. Yeah. So then uh we see outside that the Santa robot has arrived, but he goes to the neighbor's house. And uh, at this point Robbie and Tori retire to her bedroom because they have now um Their their banter and flirting has now turned into full on affection. They go into the bedroom and he proves that he can uh, hang with the best of them. And uh, in terms of, um, yeah, going down. Yeah, there you go. Um, Which and you know what? I, I even though it's not said, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that the reason why that was included is like, you know what? It's a scene where the girl gets off, not the guy for a change.
1: He does not remove her panties, but he still gets her off. And this is intercut mm-hmm. with a uh, with Santa Claus wrecking
0: the house next door.
1: Wrecking the house next door, and there is obviously a sort of cute
0: little uh, yeah, so, double but, entendre with the term axe wound. Oh right, yeah, because the, yeah, there is the <laughs> axe in the back of the guy of the dad next door, and when he removes the axe, blood sports out just it, as it, she it is starts gushing. Just as she reaches her arrival, and um, and then. Uh, the Santa Claus kills the mom. Well, and it, he stomps on the dad's head. Oh, yeah, it turns his head into mush. Then uh, he kills the mom. And then a little boy comes out to say, like, Santa, did you bring me presents? And uh, as the Santa Claus reaches the kid, the kid goes over and sees the presents under the tree and takes out. He's like, oh, clothing again. Did you bring me anything else? Um, at, th- at this point, uh, Tori has come downstairs to get some more whiskey. Um, she notices that the nachos are burnt. And then she looks outside to see Santa Claus drive an axe into the head of the little boy little boy um which maybe is a response to
1: him not liking the uh clothing but uh, come on parents you know that the santa gifts are all toys the Mm -hmm. clothing gifts are from mom and dad that's the way it always should
0: be exactly come on oh man i feel bad because i used to get my make my parents get me also a toy as well so like I'll have, ask Santa for this, and I'll ask you for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, looking back, that wasn't fair. But I well, you didn't about. know? No, of course not.
1: It was them lying to you that caused this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Not lying. I like no, I, I, to think that I, I am very yeah. pro
1: um, the myth of Santa. Yeah. I think it's a fun thing for kids I to do believe I do think it's,
0: it's a bit concerning, though, because, you know, poor children... You know, if they ask for something for Christmas and they their don't, parents can't they don't afford get it, it can't... then do they think that they were bad or that they're not good enough? Yeah,
1: that that is problematic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean,
0: well, just within some, a single household, yeah. it is nice to, to believe yeah. in that sort of mm-hmm. magic. Well, that's also why parents, like, and I mean, also, like, kids at that age, they aren't asking for, like, the most expensive things, like, you know... Um, my nephews, they like Christmas a lot, but it's not really so much for the gifts. It's more for, oh, we get to decorate our house and all of our family comes over. I vividly remember getting an NES
1: entertainment system. Christmas so did I. It from was, Santa oh. Claus. Yeah. And that was, oof, mm-hmm. that was a, a mutual for all the siblings. It wasn't just for one kid. Obviously. It was just
0: for me, actually. Well, uh, well, I mean, would, yeah, you were. I was the the lone boy, though. So, yeah. Uh, and my grandparents got me uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. So, uh. yeah. It was a good Christmas. Um, Back to this film. So um, she now alerts, Tori now alerts Robbie to like, oh my God, there's a killer next door and he saw us and he's going to come over. So then they go to wake up uh, her sister, which is real to be Kansas Bowling and Graham Skipper as the boyfriend, I think Mark is his name. And uh, at this point, they're just like, we got to get out of here. And Mark just keeps talking at full volume. Yeah, Mark's a real ass. It's like, you got to go get the keys. What do I need the keys for? Shut up, he's coming. And so the Santa Claus, there's a great scene where he walks around outside. And by the way, the sound mix in this, every footstep that the Santa makes is like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Just thump, thump, they, thump. like the ED-209 Robocop. That's true. More, yeah, like the ED-209 as they, well.
1: They do pull a little cheat here, sonically. Yeah. Uh, where you hear
0: the footsteps get further away, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, coast is clear. Nope! Nope. <laughs> he just walked, walked over. He throws a body through the window, very Jason Voorhees style, which falls on top of Robbie, and then uh, in quick succession, both um, Kansas Bowling as the sister and Graham Skipper get killed off by the Santa. While Robbie and Tori escape, they hop into his car. But as when they're backing out of the driveway, unfortunately with all the snow, they can't see and they crash into the neighbor's car that was parked. Uh, slightly into their driveway the drunk neighbor the drunk neighbor and then the neighbor comes out he's actually played by the film's director Joe Bigos and he's like I can't believe you wrecked my car blah 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 you idiots I'm calling the cops he throws a beer at them yeah it does all that stuff where they're like screaming like get out of here get out of here and then the Santa Claus comes up behind him and they're like behind you behind you and then he kills him as well with a good, with a good, another good axe
1: cleave. Yeah, another... Sometimes the Santa his axe cleaves. Um, you know they don't destroy. No. But if he gets a good overhand heft. Yep. On his uh, swing. The head just splits
0: open like a melon. He,
1: yeah, he can just uh, mm-hmm. split somebody right, cleave them in twain.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so from there, um, uh, then Robbie sadly meets his end, and it's very sad. Yeah, Robbie. I thought Robbie was going to make it a little longer, but he, no. he does not. Um, and then the police show up. His face gets smushed. Hmm. The police show up, and uh, uh, the cop who arrives empties several shots from a shotgun into the robotic Santa, and the robotic Santa falls down dead, and the movie ends, and we're all happy. Um, no, that's not what happens at all. Um, the Well, s- he does unload some shotgun shells into and he, Santa, he and Santa does fall down. Yeah, he does fall down. down, but he doesn't die. But so. we as savvy movie, movie viewers know yeah. that uh, Robo Santa is not done. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, Tori, who is in a state of shock at this point, she's arguing with the police officer, like, you gotta get my... like they don't understand they're all dead the santa we see him walking up there's a lot of good wonders in this where like people are talking and then the santa claus walks up steps up onto the hood of the car smashes his axe into the windshield rips the windshield out um and then the cop fires again to knock him off and the cop goes out to try and like make sure that the the robot is dead um but they keep oh but she because she brings up you got to go check on the 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 toy store yeah that thing was there her (laughs) theory is that uh it's not the robot santa obviously
1: it's somebody who has taken that robot Santa's outfit. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. it must be a real person.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing because, like, the whole idea, like, oh, it's a robot Santa Claus. But then again, this movie is also like, it starts off with an ad saying that this was developed by the military, but it's being used for Santa clauses, which is kind of crazy. Um, which I love that. That's the best. Like, do you really need a reason for why this is happening? Okay, here's one. The military designed this toy, this robotic Santa Claus. Um, just great storytelling. Um, and from there. Uh, she now like drives away in the cop car. Oh, the, the, the robotic Santa kills the cop with his own weapon, tries to shoot her, but runs out of bullets. So she runs over the robotic Santa twice and then hope. and this time he knocks his kind of his mouth a little loose. And so now we get a glowing orb yep. where his mouth is. Um, and then she drives off. She encounters an ambulance and another police car, where we meet another cop. This time, played by filmmaker Jeremy Gardner, who made the fantastic films *The Battery* and *After Midnight*. Or around, is it around midnight or after midnight? Um, yeah. Half the cops in this look like Judah Friedlander from yeah. Thirty Rock*. That's true. Yeah, Jeremy Gardner. He plays Officer Smith. So he, um, yeah, he. He uh, Sorry, After Midnight, that's the name of it He directed the the film The Battery in 2012 Which is a really no budget zombie film Which is quite good Then in 2015 he directed Tex Montana Will Survive Which I haven't uh, seen And then in 2019 he directed After Midnight Which I highly recommend It is a really great romantic drama With a monster in it um, He's also known for he's, he's acted in a bunch of stuff too He was in the 2021 film Off Season He was in The Leech in 2022 He was in Bliss in 2019 of course um, he was in the movie Psychopaths from 2017. He was in the Mind's Eye in 2015, the other Joe Bigos, another Joe Bigos movie. Uh, he was in Spring from 2014, um, and uh, his first role was as as K in the year 2000 in the film The Bags, which I've not seen or heard of. So Officer Smith doesn't believe her at all. He she thinks he or he thinks she killed everyone possibly. And then, so he like handcuffs her as she's asking for help and warning them, "Don't go there, don't go there." And he's like, "Nah, we got cops going there; it'll be fine." It's a real a cab moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, although the sheriff's not such a bad guy. Uh yeah, I mean he's just kind of a sad sack. But is the, it uh... scab? Some cops are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we just invented a new term, scab. Um, but uh, so the the guy in the ambulance driver drives off, and she warns him, "No, don't go." and don't let the cops go there as well. Um, They go back to the the police station, which now just has the two cops, the sheriff and Officer Smith, and the sheriff clearly is like, listen, and by the way, she has not cleaned herself up. She's still cut, smeared head to in blood. You'd, you'd think that she would
1: have taken some time to go to the washroom and just mm-hmm. wash the gore off her face, but no. Yeah. She's also but, I wa- mean, it's just fun. It's funner for the movie if she if she is.
0: We should also point out she's wearing a death t-shirt, which is not the band Death from Detroit. It's the other death, the metal death.
1: The,
2: the death metal death.
0: Yeah, the death metal death. Death
2: metal pioneers death.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Not uh, punk pioneers death from Detroit. Yes. Um, both bands, Solid. So at the at the police station, the sheriff basically says, "We know you didn't do it. We're just trying to, but we can't." But a robot Santa—that doesn't make any sense. Um, and then, as she's getting cleaned up, they, nobody's been watching these commercials about yeah. the military-grade robots or the yeah. in the news. <laughs> um, so at this point, the the cops get a report that like they they get a basically a mayday call, like, "Hey, everyone's being killed by this this guy in a Santa suit." So they suit up in um, with some bulletproof vests and are about ready to head out there. And that's when they hear the sound of an oncoming ambulance, and it's the robotic Santa. And he drives forward, crashes into a car, it blowed it up real good. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of blowing up real good yeah. of cars, which probably wouldn't blow up in real life like that, but that's fine.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's a movie. That's why things should blow up in movies. They should blow it up real good. Um, it blowed up real good. Um, So at this point, she says it's the Santa. The sheriff goes out, gets killed instantly, thrown through the air like a rag doll. Then uh, Officer Smith goes out and he gets his own shotgun to the face. Yeah, he gets his uh, face blown off by the yeah. shotgun. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, she's trapped alone. She does have some uh, some firearms with her, but she also finds a taser in the uh, and it's a, it's the, the kind of taser you don't see in movies. It's not like one of those stun guns. It's like a taser from Batman Returns, is what yeah, I remember. Yeah yeah, 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 the one the Catwoman has. Um, so she decides to to use that. There's some uh, cat and mouse games with the Santa Claus and her in the in the police station. Uh, and then the Santa Claus gets her, holds her up by the hair, and she shocks him with the taser. And that luckily gives her time to escape. She hops into the ambulance to run away, but the Santa jumps onto the back and follows her in. And then she drives back towards her store, crashes into her own car, which causes the Santa to fly out through the windshield onto the ground. She then uh, uses the ambulance to push the, her car over on top of the Santa so it's pinned down. At this point, she gets out rips off part of her shirt sticks it in the gas uh the gas tank of the or in the the gas spout is that what it's called i I guess so yeah 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 uh sticks it in the in there she soaks it in gasoline somehow and then she well she just lights it on fire but it, it goes up like it's covered in gasoline but but a real shirt wouldn't burn that quickly yeah it would singe actually but you know for the purposes of this movie i'm not gonna you know fault it for logic um and then that and then she goes inside and then that car blows up real good uh, but that doesn't kill Santa. Uh, he um, he gets part most of his face ripped off, and now he's got two green like lasers it, pointing. It out becomes his very eyes. much the Terminator at this yeah. point. and so then the um, the Santa Claus follows her inside. She gets a sword from one of her displays, stabs him through the gut, and that seems to have done it. Doesn't? Then she turns on the sprinklers to try and dissuade him that way. That doesn't do it. Um, she falls off of her countertop and like uh, breaks her, not breaks her ankle, but like rolls her ankle so she can't really walk. She loses some fingers. Yeah, yeah. The, way, yeah. Right? the Santa Claus we were... like cuts off a couple of, of her fingers, uh, really wrecks her store. And then she's finally pushed into a corner with the Santa Claus coming after her. And she notices that there's a um, a conduit behind her that she like rips off the wall and is able to shock the Santa Claus until it explodes.
1: And then it's real good and dead. It blowed up real good. Yeah, it's not coming back on this one. And then she makes it outside onto the pavement. Just as the sun rises on Christmas morning. Falls on her back and she's she's laughing, sort mm -hmm. of, you know, she's made it. Yeah, she survived until Christmas. And uh, And that was Christmas credits. Bloody
0: Christmas!
2: Laughing, kind of laughing Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very
1: much so. I think i no,
2: homage, chain, yeah. You mean
0: Chainsaw 2 style? Oh, no, and, in, and Chainsaw in, 1. Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. she's Maryland, laughing maniacally yeah, sorry, in the, uh, yeah. back of the back of the truck. Yeah, yeah, kind of laughing maniacally. I was thinking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and stretches at the top of the Chainsaw Mountain like sw- like yeah. laughing maniacally. Okay, so Chainsaw 1 and Chainsaw 2, why not? Both of them. I have a feeling that Joe Bagos is a Chainsaw 2 guy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's a fa- big fan of yeah. both. And that was... Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody, from your friends at Death by Video. I I thought we were watching Jingle all the way. uh... Yeah. (laughs) Um, I really dig this movie, as you guys know. So, Phil, what are your final thoughts on Christmas, Bloody Christmas?
2: Surprisingly enjoyable. Yes!
0: We won over Phil. It's a Christmas miracle. I know. I was really afraid that you were not going to... Although, I do think that watching it... Because I remember watching the trailer Mm -hmm. and I are like,
2: oh god, this is so cringy. I don't want to watch this. and I was dreading watching it and I had a good time.
0: Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. And I do think that part of it is the communal watching it together aspect. Because I mean, yeah. you you changed your opinion on Friday the Thirteenth Part Six when you watched it with us. I did. Yeah. So maybe we should do a Joe B Ghost Month. Oh God. Maybe not. Maybe that's, not.
2: That's a bit intense.
0: Maybe not. We'd skip the first two. Um. But maybe not. Probably not. We'll see. With our with our rate of episodes coming out, no, we won't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um. We are going to be doing a Scanners series where we follow. Cause oh, wow. Where we watch the sequels to Scanners only, not the first one. Scanners 2, 3, Scanner Cop, and Scanner Cop 2. Wow, yeah. Yeah. All all the best Scanners. Yeah, yeah. Because who would have thought that David Cronenberg... I'm sure David Cronenberg intended it to be a five-part series when he first made the first version of it back in the early 80s. Have you seen
2: the second and third Scanners movies? Yes,
0: Scanners 2 is quite good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Actually, I haven't seen Scanners 3. I have seen Scanner Cop. That movie's fun. It's just like, he's a cop and a scanner.
2: I remember the ads for Scanners really it came out so soon after Skinners, too. Yeah,
0: they were shot. It was a real back to back type of thing. Um, but yeah, that's great. You liked it. So any further analysis? Like, not really. Like it was an execution of like a
2: solid formula. Mm-hmm.
0: It also didn't over over where its welcome. It was eighty three minutes until the yeah, credits. Yeah, it was hit. a
2: tight uh, eighty three minutes. And also, I, I was making the comment that like um, the stretch of um, Tori being the final girl. It's it's like half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the full final act of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It changes it up quite a bit. So normally that's like the last 10 minutes, but yeah, this was like, we've killed everyone else off. You know, it's just her on her own. Yeah. Um, it was, it's also a very economical script because, because it is set on Christmas Eve when most businesses are closed and most people are home, you don't need extras. There's not really too many people hanging around. Um, I mean, it's also the fact that two out of the, let's see how many characters are in the movie. One, two, three four five six seven eight nine ten yeah there's ten named characters in the movie two of them were played but one of them was played by the director and the other one was played by the producer so i so i think you know it's a very economical movie with eight speaking roles
2: That's since we be on like two blocks as well
0: yeah yeah which is which is nice it's a, it's, yeah. it's actually like the outside i got it got some good christmas vibes like with the snow and the lighting yeah yeah clearly meant to emulate like a a northern california town sort of
2: yeah the snow looks like soap flakes but you know
0: still still better than nothing yeah Mm -hmm. any other final thoughts bill
2: not really okay cool it might come to me but
0: all right kit what are your final thoughts i I did like that the uh
1: the bartender went home and just had a very peaceful christmas evening
0: yeah nothing bad happened to him (laughs) old larry's (laughs) just going he's like punching the clock all right closed on christmas eve as kids wake him up in the morning everything's fine he, yeah. d- he doesn't even know he's just like then he turns on the news and he's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> there was a robotic head what nuts how did that
1: happen um the town of one yeah my uh my final thoughts i uh i I ended up liking it i starting off I didn't I wasn't quite vibing with it I'm not sure why I just thought uh, too much dialogue and I will say the um both both actors uh, Robbie and Tori uh pull off the dialogue well mm. which i think is a bit overwrought I think it's a bit too much uh
0: they're both very good actors, I have to yeah, say. They, like they're, I think,
1: they're pulling off the dialogue, mm-hmm. which I think is a bit overwritten, a bit a bit too much. Yeah. I think Riley, who plays Tori, she's she's a very good actress. But they um, pull it off well mm-hmm. enough that it just kind of works just enough.
0: Yeah. Well, as the producer of the film said, like, Joe Bigos basically writes every character to sound like him, and it's Yeah, you got that sense. You got the sense that, oh, this is the director's voice a lot here, and
1: coming from both characters. You get that sense from Tarantino mm-hmm. films though, too. It's,
2: it's so funny just watching interviews like wow he sounds it is how he talks <laughs>
1: yeah exactly um but once it gets going mm-hmm. like once once finally like once the the brother and sister are killed and, and blah 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 mm-hmm. and Santa's on his rampage once it really gets going then it, it does have some uh some good momentum it's pretty fun to watch I
0: also have to point out this film is shot in, this film it looks like a movie like it does like a traditional you said it was 16 millimeter shot shot with anamorphic lenses super 16 and i find that like if this was shot digital it probably wouldn't have looked as good i think no no you're right yeah that film you know what guys i gotta say it as somebody who's now uh very much a film photographer film is better Film, film purists. Yeah, I yeah. know.
1: I mean, uh, movies can be shot on digital and, like, and look like, good. You know, David I, know, I know. films are David shot on Fincher, digital. Michael Mann. And they I know was, what they're doing. I was
0: shocked. Maybe not Michael Mann. I was shocked to find out that <laughs> you don't like his digital work. Do you not remember Public Enemies? <laughs> I need to rewatch it. The digital, like it looked like a I know. Shot on I know a home, handheld, a can- hand-held, handheld
1: digital. Um, uh, I'm
0: interested in rewatching it. But I have to say. Um, uh, but no I didn't realize this the film The Holdovers which is a film I've been trying to urge everyone to go see because it's it's really, I, really I, like,
1: good. Uh, I like some Alexander Payne every Um,
0: now and then. I totally thought it was shot on film and it was shot digitally they did a lot of post work to make it look like I think they shot it on like film lenses but it was shot digitally that's
1: the only criticism
2: I've heard of the movie that like it's too affected the whole like, oh well, that's too, who everything.
0: complains whatever loser complained about that? I mean, it was Adam Naiman wasn't it no I love Adam Neiman, but he doesn't like that movie. Um, he just called him a loser. I, no. He has a funny uh, one sentence
2: letterboxed review uh, that's like being beaten to death with the With Stephen the cats, Ravens record.
0: Yeah, 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 I know. But I think I think honestly, I liked it. It felt like a nice, warm. It, it felt like like drinking hot cocoa, staying next to a warm fire. Um, Is it tea for the Tillerman? What? Which, uh...
2: I, I didn't specify. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Well, Anyways, one
2: of my internet friends who's. He's a professed Alexander Payne hater. He said uh, the holdovers is then one of his did... favorites
0: of the year. Okay, but why do you go? <laughs> yeah, that's good, but why do you? It's it's very different from everything Alexander Payne has ever done. It honestly doesn't Except with the the Paul Giamatti, I guess. It, even yeah, but that's the thing with Paul Giamatti. But it doesn't feel like any. It doesn't feel like a, an Alexander Payne film. It doesn't have. Yeah, it's it's very different. I mean, Nebraska is kind of the closest, but that's a whole different beast. Um. It's not not like Sideways. You didn't find it to uh, no, not evocative of Sideways at all. Paul Giamatti plays a completely different character. I guess none of us have seen About Schmidt, which we realized. I saw About Schmidt. Oh, you've seen it. Okay, eh, it's all right.
1: Kit, um, any more notes that you have? uh no uh as i uh, yeah i ran out of notes oh i was gonna say that um i we do have to bring up the fact that uh, futurama did have a killer santa robot
0: is rolling Simpsons his eyes did here it, man, no no no, no.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's a, a interesting precursor futurama had a very famous santa kill bot which i'm sure must have gone through the minds of the filmmakers when they were making this movie they couldn't have been ignorant of futurama uh, and that was kind of paved the way for this this film in a way, not in a bad way. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you can't reuse ideas that are good, but uh, Futurama yeah. did have the uh, the Santa Santa robot, it's uh, just a Sa- robot Santa Claus as it's called in the uh, the film, uh, variously voiced by John Goodman in the first one and then just Joe DiMaggio in the other ones. John DiMaggio, whatever his freaking name is. The guy who does Bender. Where
3: did you go, Joe DiMaggio? <laughs> it's not
1: Joe DiMaggio, John DiMaggio. Yeah. Listen, uh, he's a, a four-ton robot designed by the Friendly Robot Company um, and t- to judge whether people were naughty or nice and sort out presents and punishments accordingly, and he invariably decides that everybody is naughty nobody can uh, meet up to his nice standards and he just kills everyone he meets mm-hmm. and that's uh, a number of episodes of futurama yeah Anyways. and so it's it's fun that they sort of they didn't adapt it i don't think it was an adaptation mm-hmm. but uh I, I like the the santa robot the santa killer robot is a, a rich vein which could be hit again i'm sure Mm-hmm uh for future installments of Christmas bloody christmas Christmas bloodier christmas well i mean th- there's supposed to be more of these santa bots made they could easily
0: do sequels that's true they could be have yourself a christmas bloody christmas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um anyways yeah i don't think it was as much of an influence as you think it was it's there it's there mm-hmm. how could
1: they not know these are pop culture uh, aficionados as well as we know from
0: the dialogue from the film he could be one of those people that was like i never who never saw futurama uh, I, there doubt are those it. People, I doubt it he's a lot younger than you think he is he sure, might not have right. been in high school university during futurama you
1: don't need to have been
0: anyways Letter. I don't know why
1: you're uh, you're dismissing this point. I, I think it's it's I valid just, to bring up Robot Santa Claus from Futurama because that's the first thing I thought of when I saw
0: the the trailers for this movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not a bad thing. Okay. Anyways, um, for my final thoughts, I really dug this movie. I really dug like the aesthetics. I do think that like it's one of those things where again, like you don't get to repeat your first watch, and I wish I could because like I was like ride or die with this movie when it came out last year. Um, I was legitimately depressed that it didn't get released in Canada theatrically because it was going to get released on my birthday, which would have been great. Um, It is also interesting how like a year later, and maybe I'm not the most as metal as I was um, then, but yeah, I still love everything about this movie. Um, Actually, I just got a metal record in in the mail right now as we were... Here about yeah record. we did
1: we, we had to before we had to stop mm-hmm. the movie you so got i could go package. and get my package yeah, yeah yeah um well what come on
0: you can't uh, oh, leave, it was, leave um, the listeners hanging what did you get uh, so ghost released a uh uh covers ep this year they've done it a couple times uh called uh Phantomime. mime um metal
2: band ghost not to be confused with uh, oh, right. japanese like folk band yeah yeah ghost.
0: yeah no the metal band ghost I, i'm always ghost getting BC. those two confused yeah yeah, they were, I do. <laughs> yeah, they, it's their second cover EP. They did, of course, the "If You Have Ghosts" EP, which featured the song. Their uh, Rory, what's his name, the guy that wrote "I Rocked with a Zombie." Phil, I'm shocked you don't know this, Rocky Erickson. Yeah, it's Rocky, Rocky Erickson. Yeah, he uh, did a song called "If You Have Ghosts," and they covered it. Um, and they also covered, uh, I think, ABBA, and they covered the Pet Shop Boys on that on that one. And then on this one, there's a television cover, there's an Iron Maiden cover, um, and there's a Tina Turner cover, which is. Awesome. We don't need another hero. Yeah, we don't. Um. Anyways, yeah, I got a, I got a metal record in the mail today. Um. Uh, but yeah, no, I love this film. It's the closest you could if you could see the inside of my brain. That's it. Although I wouldn't curse as much as these people do. I also don't drink anymore. That's that's
1: the thing. The yeah. uh, the over cursing is like just such a a thing that scriptwriters do that I think. Mm-hmm. I know I have definitely talked with people who curse a lot. Yeah, where every but, other
0: word is an F or an S. But it
1: does seem like when you're watching it in a film, it's like, okay, you're, you're over relying on the, yeah. the F bombs here. But that's a small little point.
0: Mm-hmm. Small um, little cool. I'm, I'm thrilled that we all like this. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Three three thumbs up. Yep. Cool. All right. So uh, I guess Merry Christmas from Death by Video. Maybe we'll do another Christmas episode before the year's out. Who knows? This will probably go up the first week of December if I have my way. Um,. Ho ho ho! Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll do an episode on "Don't Open Till Christmas," which yeah. I was very disp- depressed because I had been waiting for it to come out forever on Blu-ray, and then it came out from vinegar syndrome, and then I um, I I bought it and it was expensive, and then it's not good. So we're just not gonna do jingle all the way.
2: There's a third Black Christmas movie.
0: Oh yeah, the third remake of Black Christmas. I don't want to do that. That involves like a cult and Gary Elway is like the head of some patriarchal cult and no deck. The hall. And they like shot a... it. They shot it in New Zealand. They didn't even shoot it in Canada. You cannot shoot a Black Christmas movie not in Canada. I agree. And to be honest, you shouldn't shoot a Black Christmas movie in Vancouver looking at you, Black Christmas 2006. Um, At least
1: that had Andrea Martin in it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Actually, Lynn Griffith from uh, from uh, the original Black Christmas. She is in Ilaroff's Thanksgiving that came out uh, this weekend, which I, I enjoyed oh. quite a bit. Um, yeah, uh, some some homages to Canadian to two Canadian slashers: Black Christmas and uh, My Bloody Valentine, and Prom Night. There's yeah, there's there's a whole there's not um, not direct homages, but it's just like it's clearly in that lineage of the non Halloween slashers, the non Halloween non Friday the Thirteenth slashers, the the outliers, the weird ones. Like this will one day be. Anyways. Merry Christmas. It's hard to say that in November when I still have my jack-o'-lantern up. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Harry Fishmas. Um, so for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Keith. And I've been Graham saying keep watching amazing movies. Thank you for listening. Good night.
3: Last time I played Father Christmas I stood outside a department store A gang of kids came- Have yourself a good time But remember the kids who got nothing While you're drinking down your wine Father Christmas, give us some money We got no time for your silly toys Father Christmas, please hand it over We'll beat you up so don't make us noise.
1: If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance.
0: And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss.
1: From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to j-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror.
0: Follow us on Instagram,
1: Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts.